morning. <laughs> I love it. Well, we're going into a freeze. We've done this before. So we're good at it, right? <laughs> but we've learned, I think. And so today, we will press into hope. Peter's word, definitely consistent with what the Lord is saying. Isaiah 40. Look up to the heavens who created all the stars. He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. O Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? O Israel, how can you say God, never, God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord. Human beings are created to survive and to thrive. I want you to consider the first moment that you were born, you probably don't remember it, but your lungs might, as breath filled your lungs. And that breath was not just for the present moment, but were for moments that weren't yet. Oxygen moved through your bloodstream to every appendage of your body. God created you not just for the moment that you are in, but every breath that you take is preparing you for the moment that you will be in. Consider that it takes eight minutes and 20 seconds for light to come from the sun and reach the earth. And for all eight minutes and 20 seconds, creation is eagerly anticipating the life that is yet to come. Creation is created with hope. All of creation accepts the moment of grace and anticipates the moments of grace that are to come. It is woven into the very fabric of existence. In a way, all of creation cannot but hope we lean forward and in anticipation for what hasn't been received yet. That is not a statement that has to come from a person of faith. That is a statement about the reality that God put in place. We are postured every day with hope, breathing into the next moment that is to come. But darkness comes, as you know, and hope can be elusive. We can lose sight of it. We weary, as Peter's scripture pointed out, out of Galatians 6. We are strained under pressure. 
Come on, somebody, that's true, isn't it? We forget that there is a future that God is creating right now. If it takes eight minutes and 20 seconds for light to reach earth, at times there may be seven, nine, 12, 18 months in which God's hope is still on the way. Even when we can't see it, he's working. We just saying that. Now, none of us are, we are experiencing this reality. Not one of us, this is not affecting we succumb to fits of fear that steal our sleep, our security, rob us of joy. Have you been there? Yes, you have. Not one of us has completed a global pandemic. <laughs> we just know how to do the first nine months. The fight against the coronavirus is confusing. Come on, somebody. It's demanding, yes. There's a cost, the cost is high. We're paying a deep price, emotionally and physically. We have big questions about what future shutdowns would be. What it means to small businesses, to our education, to our churches, to our souls. We are weary of politicization. Are you weary of that? We are weary of polarization that somehow we are so opposed to one another, and in a moment, in a flash. And this weariness leads to despair. Yeah, we, we've been there. And technically, if you look up the antonyms to hope, technically, despair is the opposite of hope. Technically, it is. Look it up. It's an antonym. But listen, this is what I want to pose to you today. When we are honest about our pain, we are simultaneously suggesting that it should be better than this. Listen, I, I want you to catch this. Despair's hidden twin is hope. Despair's hidden twin is hope. If we admit our pain and refuse to be numbed into a godless reality, our souls are ready for the words of hope that can be spoken into the middle of our pain. The prophet Isaiah, we just read, he, he was speaking to a people that were in exile, that were in pain. And when we are in pain and we are despairing and when we are in anguish, we are believing it shouldn't be this way. And we will be people that continue to anguish and despair because we're believing that God is going to break through on the other side. That is what real hope is. Hope is not being numbed to the reality, distant from the reality, but is standing firm in the midst of the reality, believing that God is still working. That's what hope is. So if you're broken, if you're worried, if you're verging on despair, if anguish is filling your soul, if you are, <laughs> the question is, can you admit that life is futile apart from an intervention of God? And what a gift to be pressed into a corner like this when we realize that my hope is, is only in God. Living in a world that can numb us and keep us from that which is true not just in the time of pandemic, but true always. 
Isaiah speaks to the people in exile. He speaks to you that he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. The scriptures, they meet us in our pain. The scriptures come alive to us when we are in pain. The scriptures are full of stories and poetry and accounts of pain and difficulty and lament. The scriptures are honest. The scriptures are not a veneer over life trying to, trying to paint a picture that is that is somehow we are above all of what is real, but rather God himself came in this person and the work of Jesus Christ and is God with us, not God above us, not God just controlling things, but God who is with us in the reality of pain. The scriptures may be at times inspiring, but they are not a collection of motivational quotes. If you want motivational quotes, you can visit your Hallmark store and you can be motivated just a tiny little bit. But if you want reality, go to the scriptures. The scriptures may present past and future victories, but more correctly, the scriptures admit and confirm with brutal reality that life without God is exceedingly dark. Jesus came and he was called the light of the world. Not a light of the world, but the light of the world. Consider Genesis 1. Before God formed creation as we know it, the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. With God's spoken word, he creates a new future with his word. Walter Brueggemann says the speech of God is first about an alternative future. This is what the scriptures attest to and speak into for all of us, that there is a different kind of future, a better future that he is creating. That this is not all there is, that there is more to come, that we are living into that reality no matter what circumstance is affecting us and trying to stifle us right now. So as your pastor, I am less concerned about our despair and more concerned about our numbness. Numbness comes when the prevailing voices of our day smash an alternative future out of our hearts and minds, but despair, because it admits that it should and could be better, despair can lead us to hope. Anguish can lead us to hope. Honesty can lead us to hope. Truth about what is real leads us to hope. See, numbness leads to escapism. But hope leads us to the speech of God, the scriptures. Numbness longs for quiet now. But hope, it doesn't just long for quiet now or reprieve. It longs for a redeemed future. And a person of hope decides to do what God has called them to do to, in order for that future to come about through God's people and through us, the church. Through, as Peter said, the word said, you have a purpose now. Numbness quits. It backs out. It says, this is too difficult for me. And so it leaves its church family. <laughs> it 
leaves the state in which they don't like the governor's wishes. It leaves and says, I will find what is easy. Numbness quits, but hope fights. And the question is, in the midst of all the presses against us, how do we move towards hope? And I have created an acronym because I am a preacher at heart. Hope and what we will get through today. We are going to develop hope as we choose to honor all and refuse contempt. As we operate by the Spirit and refuse the temptations of the devil, as we point to Jesus, you see the acronym so far? Okay, good. <laughs> Head up and not down. And as we expect growth in the midst of pain and not just loss, we will get to hope. So we're gonna go through these one at a time. You will find yourself, like I was, challenged by the scriptures and what God is speaking to us. First of all, to get to hope, we must honor all and refuse contempt. The psalmist writes in Psalm 123, show us favor, our Lord, show us favor, for we've had more than enough contempt. Are you tired of contempt too? Yes, we've had more than enough scorn from the arrogant and contempt from the proud. <clears throat> Whoops, I'm going to go back to that. Stay there. Contempt means to scorn or disrespect something or probably more likely someone. We tend to think that the opposite of contempt is agreement. <laughs> but listen, you do not have to agree with someone to honor them. You do not have to agree with someone to honor them. This is the way of Jesus. This is the way that the scriptures unfold for us. When Peter says, <laughs> love the family of believers and honor the king. The king he was talking about was Nero. Oh man, if there's anybody to be contemptuous about, it would be him. He was a bad guy. But it says honor because that's the way of Christ. That's the way of Jesus. Listen, contempt, you might have noticed, is the currency of our culture. We're going to talk about this over the next, next week or so. Contempt is the currency of our culture. It seems that it, contempt is universally acceptable nowadays. It's driving massive polarization. We, we, we despise, and this is inside the church and outside of the church, we despise those who disagree with us. Listen, contempt is a horrible posture. <laughs> Even if you disagree with someone's thoughts, do they deserve your wrinkled nose and your wince at them? Are other humans ever totally ugly? No, they're created in the image and likeness of God. And so we need to treat people like that. We're the ones that have the hope. We're the ones that carry the message of grace that can transform even the worst of people into <laughs> what God has created them to be. We do not need to be contemptuous towards others. Contempt, listen, if you're finding yourself contemptuous towards the Democrats or towards the Republicans or towards the governor or towards the president or towards the president-elect or towards the election boards and committees or towards Fox News or towards CNN, if you're finding yourself contemptuous, listen, contempt is in the family of hatred. Let that sink in. Whenever you demonize someone or demean them because of their thoughts or even their actions, you are actively hating them. Jesus' words come to mind. He gave us instructions what to do when people are against you, what to do when people are making decisions that you don't like. You bless those who persecute you, he said. That's what Jesus said. 
Contempt drives rifts and builds walls. Disrespect has never built up, but is only torn down. Listening to the other is the key to building humility. You may have seen the pre-service slide that we've shown recently that suggests that 62% of Dutch people believe that other people are mostly trustworthy. You know how many Americans do? 30% of Americans think that other people are generally trustworthy. Do you think there's a big difference between Dutch people and American people? No, but there's an affection in our culture of distrust and contempt towards people who are different than us. We Christ followers need to go first and build and tear down those walls and allow the listening power that we have with our two ears to drive unity. Listen, contempt has made a profit in our culture and builds financial empires. There's a whole industry built on contempt right now. Modern day political pundits and comedians have made a fortune on contempt. There's something appealing about smart, witty, clever, and bombastic personas who assure us that we are correct and the other side is so stupid as to be laughed at and to be ridiculed. Be very careful how you are ingesting that because you will become contemptuous. If liberal equals stupid for you, then there's contempt in your heart and you need to allow Jesus in the least to teach you to love what you perceive as your enemy. And my hope would be, and I believe the Holy Spirit's hope would be, that as you grow into the way of Jesus, you would discover that you have no enemy. You have only people that it's hard to love. Listen, contempt leads to numbness. Contempt will lead you to numbness. Contempt is, is isolating. <laughs> But honor, honor leads to hope. And we're going to talk about honor in the next couple of weeks of how we honor in the midst of all this. Are you with me so far? That is H. The next ones won't take as long. O is operate by the spirit. Refuse the temptations of the devil. So a computer operating system is an interface between the user and the hardware, right? So I'm the user, there's the hardware, the operating system helps us to correspond or helps us to connect with what is real. Listen, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. You, Christ follower, are filled with the Holy Spirit in order to be able to interact in the world in such a way that leads to hope. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit-filled life, is your operating system. We will get to more of this during our devotions this week, but consider the Spirit's operation in Jesus' life. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We are being led into the wilderness right now to be tempted and to be sorted out. And to walk by the Spirit is the operating system that we walk by so that we can choose the upside-down way of life in the same way that Jesus did. So Matthew 4 and Luke 4 show the temptations of Jesus. It, it's like a summary broad brushstroke of the way that the enemy seeks to tempt us and confuse us and Jesus refuses his traps and provides the model for us, the operating system of how we engage with the world. So in our daily devotions at nhgroups.org, you're going to be led through this in the coming weeks. Listen, when we follow Jesus by reviewing the temptations of the devil, we will emerge with hope. But the devil's schemes will always lead to numbness will always lead to burdens that cannot be overcome, but the way of the Spirit will lead to life. Jesus' responses to the temptations of the devil provide an operating system of sorts. The way of the Spirit is the way that engages with the world. It's upside down, but it's oh so good. So we are going to honor and not be contemptuous. We are going to operate by the Spirit, and there's more to come with that. Read Luke 4 and Matthew 4 to get a sense of it, and your devotions this week will help you go deeper. The third thing, P, is point to Jesus 
head up and not down. The writer of Hebrews says, since therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, the writer has just outlined all these amazing heroes of faith. The writer says, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is the race that is set before us. The imperative is run with endurance. And here's how we do it. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Head up, we're looking at Jesus. The author and the perfecter of faith. For who, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy was on the other side of the cross and he endured it. How do we, how do we run our race? <laughs> the writer's very clear here. We fix our eyes on Jesus and run through the crucibles of our life. Because there's a joy on the other side. We'll hear that more when, when James informs us here in just a moment. The author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, here's the challenge. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself. <laughs> what the writer is saying, consider. Jesus was put on the cross by people who were opposed to him, and he endured it. So that you, if we keep him in our mind, we will not grow weary and we will not lose heart. Not lose heart sounds like don't get numb. This week and the weeks to come, we will continue to go to Jesus and look to Jesus and receive comfort and strength and a template for how to engage. If our captain, our Lord suffered, so we take on the sufferings of this world and we suffer well as a good soldier of Jesus Christ that Paul writes to Timothy, we suffer well so that we can receive the crown of inheritance that is to come, the joy that is on the other side of the cross that we are walking through. And we are walking through a crucible right now. Of course, it could be worse. In every person's story, there's varying degrees of difficulty as we walk through this. But the template is the same. We hope as we endure suffering. And then finally, we expect growth and not loss. Lately, I've been really into rowing. These indoor rowings, rowers at Planet Fitness. And I wish there wasn't social distancing to the other rowers you know, they're like closed off right now so that I can't race anybody. I wish I could race somebody because I want to beat somebody because I'm getting better at it. <laughs> I've always liked running. I still like running, but I've added rowing to my workouts because parts of my body, running doesn't hit. Running mostly is legs and some core, but man, rowing, 86% of my musculature is engaged in rowing and I'm getting stronger and my forearms are getting stronger. My back and my core is getting stronger. Somebody say amen for rowing. Well, listen, you've been walking a race right now and you've mostly been running and God is saying, I need you to get on the rower. Because resistance is going to build something in you. Listen to what James says. We expect growth and not loss. He says this. He kicks off his whole letter. <laughs> in verse 2 of his whole letter. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. <laughs> There's the high watermark that we are attaining. We are consider, consider this an opportunity for joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. 
For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, of course, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with a divided loyalty is an, as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. What is trial, any trial that comes our way going to produce? It's going to produce perseverance and endurance. It's going to produce maturity within us. It's going to produce signposts and witnesses to a weary world, a numb world, declaring that God still has a good plan in the midst of all the troubles that we go through. That God still can do the impossible. That God still is active, even if most of the Western world wants to reject him. That God's plans have not been thwarted. That God's creative potential is unlimited to meet us wherever we are at. We are being called to be people of hope. I think that our name, which was given to us in 1978 as a church, New Hope, is being revived. And we are going to be people of new hope in this world. We are going to acknowledge that, yes, it is difficult. Yes, it is painful. Yes, it should not be this way. But we are going to be Christ's ambassadors and walk it out in the same way that Jesus Christ walked it out up to the cross, nailed to the cross, buried in the grave, and then he was resurrected and there was life that we get to draw upon right now for our circumstance. <laughs> Told you the scriptures come alive when you are in difficulty and that's where we're at and they're popping off the page. We will unpack these more this week in your devotions. Here's your community group discussion questions. You're going to read Isaiah 40 that we started with together and just allow that, those scriptures, to give you hope. I'm going to invite you. I described some of it. Describe the difference between numbness and despair. Third, <laughs> you're going to ask, how could there be a connection between despair and hope? Fourth, ask each person to share what is discouraging them right now. And then fifthly, share what habits or practices keep you in a posture of trust. So those are find, found, as always, at newhope or nhgroups.org. You can find those community group discussion questions as well as the daily devotionals that will continue to carry this message through the week. Nelson Mandela, who was a Christian, was unjustly imprisoned for 27 years. <clears throat> He was released from prison in 1990 and then elected president of South Africa in 1994. He was a key figure in negotiating the way out of the oppressive system of racist apartheid. For those of you who are older, you're familiar with that story. For those of you who are younger who don't know, look up Desmond Tutu and Nelson Mandela, two African leaders who we can draw wisdom and strength from as we go through our own fatiguing times of polarization and difficulty. All those years in prisons could not deter his belief and his hope. One writer described that his prison cell over the years became more like a monastic library, <laughs> soaking himself deep in the scriptures and the writings of the church and drawing upon his Christian hope that took him through even 
when his son was tragically killed in the car accident and he was not allowed to attend the funeral as a political prisoner. He said this, difficulties break some men but make others. No ax is sharp enough to cut the soul of a sinner who keeps on trying. One armed with the hope that he will rise even in the end. Listen, we will not become numb. We will not stay in despair. But we will await the coming of the light of the world into this dark moment. Listen, we will not, we will refuse as Christ followers to demonize anyone. But we will remain in a posture of trust before the Lord. Proverbs 3, which says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. In faith, we will move on and move through this. In faith, we will overcome, even if this is the last time for months that we're able to be in person. We will move through this, and we will stay united as a community. We will move through this and we will show the world that in the midst of division, we do not divide, but rather we embrace Christ together. We cling to the the hem of his garment together and allow for him to pull us through the quagmire that we find ourselves in. There's no other way to do it. In faith, we hope. Paul said, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Listen, listen, We can draw upon faith to make sure that we're in a posture of hope so that we can love a broken and unloved world in Jesus' name. We live in the now with our eyes on a bright future secured by the work of our great King Jesus. And if you are in agreement with me, would you say amen this morning? Father, Son, and Spirit, I pray that you would seal your word into our hearts. And as we go about this week seeking to be people of hope, I ask that you would strengthen us. I ask that you would bless us to that end. Hmm. Now I'm going to give you just a few seconds to gather your things. And when you have your things gathered, to stand before I say a final benediction over you. Would you hold out your hands as a posture of receiving this final word as you go and as we go? We may not see each other for some time. And of course, we will miss each other and we will lament that reality. But we will not allow that to take us outside of the will of God for our church, which is to be united so the world would see that Jesus indeed is the Son of God. Paul writes this, I pray that God, 
the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray over each one of you the power of the Holy Spirit. Go in his power. Go in his love to a dark world that needs to be reminded that the light has come. His name is Jesus. You are dismissed. Thank you.